Welcome back to Mundaria Legends. I am your host, Michael Stone. I do have a major announcement to make today. Starting this month and going forward into the foreseeable future, I am going to be slowing down production of these episodes. That does mean that today's episode will be the last one for this month of April, and each future episode will be aired on the first Thursday of each month at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So that means uh, May 4th for episode 6 in this uh, season Uh, will be the next one that that will come out. Now, uh, I have heard a lot of encouraging comments about the show, and I am glad that it it has been as enjoyable as it has been uh, for those of you who are listening. This change has come because my primary mission in all of this with, with writing is to get my first book out there. And unfortunately, weekly podcast episodes have really prevented me from getting too much work done uh, on that book. And so while I've learned a lot about writing fantasy fiction in general, I feel one of the things that I have learned is that I do prefer to have more time to edit what I write uh, before it gets sent out into the world. So I invite you to keep on coming back for more episodes. Uh, We will uh, keep on publishing them. This show will keep on going on, and I will keep you all updated on the progress in the book that I'm writing as I do so. Now, all this being said, uh, every person who does leave a review joins the show on Patreon. The link for that is in the description. And shares this podcast with a friend does so much to help make sure that the show can keep on going. So thank you for all of you who have supported the show in any way. For now, however, we'll go ahead and begin the festivities with episode five of season two, Foruvai. Loella thought she was a patient person before she had a captive Cthulhu illusionist on board a ship. But while she knew the trip to Roe would only be a few more days, Days spent double and triple checking to make sure that everything she was seeing, feeling, and hearing wasn't an attempt by the Cthulhu to deceive her again, had presented one of the more stubborn, persistent sources of stress for the senator than she had dealt with in a long time. So, while the crew maintained course to row, Loella and the two other hydromancers on the ship kept their vigil guarding Sir Clipsos. Loella had been carefully set in a chair during her shifts, the only such chair on board with any kind of leather upholstery as wooden surfaces were more than just a nuisance for her scaly tail to rest on. As for the Cthulhu, they had decided to melt much of the ice in order to ensure their captive didn't die of hypothermia. They instead kept his two arms, or rather tentacles, frozen together. This wouldn't inhibit his movement much, of course, but at least by keeping some ice on him, each hydromancer would be able to sense where their prisoner was at all times, without having to worry about whatever they saw or heard to the contrary. Unfortunately, that meant they were the only three crew members who had any such assurance. Ever since some of the crew had found one of their own, Vool, having lost his sanity, Word about the nature of Sir Clipsos's illusion he had cast on them had spread quickly. Tensions were high as paranoia mounted, and came to a head as Captain Ryklos and two of his men were escorting a thrashing, screaming fourth crew member down below deck, 
to the brig where Loella was still helping keep watch on the prisoner. Let me go, you tentacled savages! You will never take me alive! The struggling crewmate screamed as he was thrown into a cell opposite the Cthulhu. I already told you, Officer Danton, I am Captain Reichlow. You are awake, as the bruises you've given yourself should attest. And I was the one who trained you, remember? On your very first day, you tripped and fell on your face when working with a quarterstaff. I saw to your nose since the healer was off duty then. It is me, you fool, the exasperated captain insisted. But, but you could have heard that story from anyone. Don't try to deceive me, you slimy scut. I know better. I am smarter than all you squidheads put together. You hear me? The poor wretch raged as he was thrown, hands bound into his cell. You won't fool me again! You won't! The other two soldiers helping Reichlow get Danton into his cell helped gag him, cutting off the ranting and subduing it to muffled grunts of sheer fury. And as the whole unsettling scene played out before Loella, she saw the Cthulhu only sit and watch, sullen and still. He doesn't even need to use his powers to dismantle this crew, Loella thought. He can just sit back and watch our own paranoia tear each other apart. Loella considered for a moment what her options were. Whether it had been another lie fabricated by the Cthulhu or not, she couldn't discount the strong possibility that he was the only illusionist that they might come across in these waters, and however marginal their chances were that he may actually help them, Having an illusionist on board to help alert them to other active illusions was her only reliable defense against such magic. Illusions. These shadowmancers, these wielders were impossible to deal with. As she saw the poor wretch Danton writhe in his cell, she for a moment felt just as trapped and helpless as he. They all were. The Cthulhu may be the one under guard, but he was far from the only prisoner here. As long as the Cthulhu and the Mayali had reasons to doubt each other, everyone would be trapped by that doubt. Captain Reichlow, I'd like you to take your guards and your hydromancers out of this room. I'd like to speak with Sir Clipsos alone, she said, steeling herself against her own doubts. Reichlow looked at Loella warily. Uh, are you... Are you feeling all right, Senator? His eyes darted back to the Cthulhu. I don't think it would be wise to do that just now. Loella hesitated for a moment, studying the Cthulhu's gaze. I am perfectly all right, Captain. I believe I've identified the real source of our present difficulties. Please, Captain, trust me. Follow my orders and let me try to do something to end this paranoia on this ship. Loella did not hear Reichlow move for several seconds as he considered what to do. At length, he sighed. I'll be back in fifteen minutes. And as Loella slowly nodded her assent, she heard Reichlow and the other officers leave. Danton was still struggling in his cell, and besides him and the other inmate, the sleeping lunatic called Vool, Loella and the Cthulhu Circlipsos were alone. Is this where you begin to torture me, Senator Loella? 
the Cthulhu asked casually. You have already captured me, imprisoned me. I have told you all you need to know. But I can't be sure of that, not yet, Loella rebutted. I am not certain that you have been completely forthcoming with us, or that you haven't at least considered steering us toward another of your illusionists so that we can find ourselves in the very same predicament you had us in just days ago. Sir Clipsus's eyes thinned. Then we are at an impasse. You will attempt to torture me, then. I didn't say I'd do anything of the sort, Loella insisted. And I am not certain that we are at an impasse. Not yet. What I think this ship, and what you especially need, is more trust. The Cthulhu raised his right brow. Trust. You must not know much of our ways if you wish to speak to me about trust, Senator. And you are the ones who have imprisoned me and coerced me into providing you assistance. I have no reason to trust you. Loella leaned forward, her arms resting against the desk in between her and the iron bars that trapped the Cthulhu. Then allow me to at least share with you what I can. I will tell you why we are pursuing the healer Zeru. He's a war criminal. And what's so special about that? The Cthulhu asked. Loella furrowed her brows. He, he is responsible for atrocities of unimaginable scale. He manipulated both Maieli and the Draconids into a full-scale war that cost hundreds upon hundreds of lives. And if this Zeru were here, he'd likely accuse you of just as serious of charges. Wars happen, and the victors who decide who the criminals are rarely are objective. A story with which any student of history is very familiar, the Cthulhu droned. Loella closed her eyes, thinking, if Reichlow was here, he would probably be tempted to throw her in a cell for what she was about to do and kill the Cthulhu for good measure. She wasn't sure that it was the right thing for her to do either, but someone on this ship had to start trusting the other side. And so... Loella took the gamble. He has the banishing blade, she finally let out. The Cthulhu was motionless. After a few seconds, he came closer to the bars, the tentacles below his robes, twisting and rolling to bring him forward. Now that, if it is true... Is news to me, the Cthulhu marveled. It is true, Loella insisted. I have seen him use it. Zeru can use it to reanimate dead corpses to fight for him. And I believe that he is planning something else, far more dangerous than even that, Loella explained. The Cthulhu tilted his head. Raising the dead? That sounds quite fanciful. 
Are you sure you haven't met one of my kind before? You sound almost as mad as that poor fool down there who thinks himself king of the swine. Sir Clipso scoffed. Loella was about to give the Cthulhu several choice words about what he had done to Vool, let alone his slight against her sanity, until Sir Clipsos again spoke. Fortunately, as an accomplished liar, I also happen to know that only an idiot would think that such a tale would be believable if it were a lie. And, more importantly, I happen to have seen Zoru carrying... Something very much like a blade on his person when he went to the board of high sentinels. It was all strapped and bound in leather, so I couldn't identify it. But he had insisted on taking it with him even into the board's room. Loella couldn't see the Cthulhu's mouth as it was covered by his seeming beard of tentacles, but she could have sworn he was smiling. It would certainly explain a great deal if it was the banishing blade that old healer was carrying. I wouldn't have let it out of my sight either if it was me. Deciding to save her chiding words at the superciliousness of the Cthulhu's manners, Loella pressed her advantage. Then you must understand why we are willing to go to such great lengths to reach the Isle of Roe. The College of Seers there is our only hope of gaining any sort of advantage on this man. Zeru is one of the coldest, most black-hearted killers I have ever met, and if he was able to so easily rope my nation into a needless war, he presents just as dangerous a threat to yours as well. The cool, calm exterior of the Cthulhu flinched at Loella's words, but only briefly and only so slightly. You make a persuasive argument, Senator. Perhaps even more persuasive than you could presently know. You must do your people proud in your legislature. Loella nodded politely, allowing the Cthulhu time to consider. After a few moments, Sir Clipsos himself nodded. Very well. I suppose I can be more forthcoming. I must ask, incidentally, if I were to share more information with you, would you release me from this cell? Loella hesitated. She wasn't sure. How could she answer? True, Captain Reichlow answered to her authority on this ship, but just because she was at the top of the chain of command here did not mean that letting the illusionist go free wouldn't exactly be welcomed by an already terrorized crew. Sir Clipsos picked up on Loella's hesitation. Ah, uh, I see. Very good. You really aren't sure. I was almost certain that you would race to promise me anything in exchange for this information. But it seems that you are, in fact, an honest politician. Sir Clipsus again squinted his eyes and lightened his voice in a manner that made Loella certain he was smiling. More than the tales of the dead rising or seeing a man believe himself to be the king of pigs, that, truly, 
is the grandest oddity I have ever encountered. An honest politician. Then tell me, Sir Clipsos, why has your board, why has your College of Sentinels ordered this blockade of Roe? Why don't they want anyone going there? The island of Roe has been a neutral third party in countless arbitrations between the nations, and their seers have always enforced a strict rule of hospitality, welcoming as many as possible to learn from their libraries. Why this sudden change of policy? And what business is it of the College of Sentinels to enforce such a blockade in the first place? A somber mood fell on the eyes of the Cthulhu. He gave Loella a close look again, clearly contemplating whether it was worth telling her the answers. I suppose you did help me understand a critical piece of the puzzle in all of this. And, as limited as your resources may be, you have proven to still be quite resourceful. The Cthulhu paused, continuing to ponder. Very well he concluded. There may be some value in having some outside help. Outside help? Loella echoed. What are you talking about? The Cthulhu had a clear expression of pain shadow his face. Ever since my assignment began, I have been given strict orders not to contact any of the other Shrouders and I have received no word from anyone else except... The Cthulhu again looked at Loella, concerned and scrutinizing, deciding. Yes, I believe I should tell you. The Cthulhu backed away somewhat from the bars, looking downward, obviously burdened heavily with what he was to share. Loella earnestly looked on as Sir Clipsos explained. I received a message from my father some days ago. You see, the reason I had been so close to the board is because he was one of its chief members. Was? Questioned a confused Loella, whose confusion quickly turned to a somber understanding as she saw the grief on the face of her all-too-recent adversary. Sir Clipsos continued, my father knew where I was and was able to send me a message just a few days ago. It was this seeing stone, he mentioned, pulling out a pearly blue sphere, no larger than the end of Loella's thumb. You probably have heard of these. Loella shook her head. I am sorry, but my tutor unfortunately knew very little of your people. Sir Clipsos held it out to let Loella get a better glimpse of the otherworldly object. Like the other wielders of the god shards, we shadowmancers can imbue an inert object like this pearl with our power. Once it comes into contact with a person, the original wielder's willing is made manifest. In the case of the shadowmancers, we can preserve images, messages, in such objects, like this pearl. Loella gave a small gasp. She felt she was quite a skilled wielder, but had only heard of the ability to imbue. 
She thought of the small toy that King Orlam had picked up all those months ago, which unleashed the pyromancer Annex's inferno in the rotunda. It was all still the power of the god shards, of course, but to will such power remotely was impressive and dangerous. In this message, my father gave me his foruvai, or his last secrets. It is a tradition among us, Cthu, especially the sentinels. We prize our knowledge above all else and give only our greatest secrets to family, and even then only when our death is certain, as was the case with my father, Sir Clipso slowly explained. As I have already seen it, this pearl will no longer share its message, but I can tell you what I saw. My father was dying as he explained to me some of what had happened to him. He had been attacked by humans. Who, though? Who would have the gall to kill one of the board members of the College of Sentinels? Loella marveled. Sir Clipsos uneasily answered, If I am to answer that question, you must promise me to keep this secret. Even if your crew were to discover this, it could prove most disastrous. Loella hesitated. I may need to share it with Reichlow if I can, however. I imagine he'll be most insistent I share with him whatever I can about our conversation. He is a discerning man, however, and can be trusted to be circumspect. Sir Clipsos thought about it for a moment, then relented. Very well. But no more than he, please. I believe when you hear what I know, you'll begin to understand exactly how dangerous this is. The assassins that came to him were not any ordinary group of murderers. They circumvented and ignored every one of my father's attempts to shadowmance with perfect ease. It was as if his illusions weren't even there, and he is, well, was, much more experienced than I in shadowmancy. Loella's eyes widened. A group of assassins impervious to your illusions? How can that be? How would they be able to break through your father's illusions so easily unless... She stopped herself, confused at first, but dread took her as she saw the confirmation on the face of Sir Clipsos. Yes, Senator Loella. They were illusionists. They were shadowmancers. Not that they bothered to use their powers, but as you correctly deduced, the same reason I am your only protection from the illusions of other shadowmancers is the same reason why those assassins were able to kill my father. Another shadowmancer sent them. A thousand questions began to well up in Luella. But who? What person, which other sentinel would want your father dead? Sir Clipso shook his head again, a somber earnestness underlining his every word as he spoke. It is worse than that, I fear. You see, 
my father had been conducting an investigation of sorts. He had been sending and receiving messages from all the most powerful illusionists in our realm. You see, he had for several weeks, just a short time after the end of your war at Cruce, I believe, he had been convinced that there was an imminent threat to our people from within. A full-scale civil war among our own fought in the dark, in the shadow, sentinel against sentinel. He told me he had been checking regularly on other family members, on friends, to ensure they were safe, that they hadn't disappeared, and to plead with others in power not to start any such war, not to engage in any such violence. Luella sat back in her chair. And... And do you think your father was right? That he may have only been the first casualty in this uh, this civil war? Sir Clipsos mournfully nodded. Loella resumed quickly. But how how would that be possible? Has there been a great deal of conflict amongst them before? What could they possibly have to gain by fighting other illusionists? Sir Clipsos remained silent for a moment. I'd asked my father similar questions as well, before I left for my assignment. I can tell you that affairs between each of the other major families of the Sentinels had been, if not rosy, at least no more disruptive than in most other civilized societies. As for why he had predicted a sudden outburst of intrigue and internal violence in our realm— he had refused to tell me then. But he told you, through through that thing, uh, through that pearl, because of the foruvai? Loella asked. Yes, Sir Clipsos confirmed. So, why are they fighting? Can't you tell me? The senator queried. Color drained from the Cthulhu's face. I must not. I dare not, Senator. Loella frowned. But surely we can help. If you can just be more specific about why it is that this, this secret war has started, perhaps we can help arbitrate a truce. I may not have been as successful as I would have liked to on Cruce at ending that war, but trust me when I say... I have seen what horrors war can unleash on a people. Can it not hurt to at least try? She pled. Something was still holding Sir Clipsos back. It wasn't distrust, at least, from what Loella could guess from her limited experience of reading Cthulhu emotions. It was something closer to... just simple, raw fear. The Cthulhu now whispered, eager to ensure that no other prisoner in the brig could hear what he told Loella. I must object, Senator. My father, he was right. He wanted to protect me from this secret. But as he was dying in that message, he told me that I needed to carry on his work, to try to stop what was happening to our people. He only told me this secret as his last, most desperate effort to try to stop this madness. Again, the Cthulhu looked downward. 
you say you know what war is like. I must tell you, Senator, based on what my father revealed to me, the war that is starting to take place among my people, even the word war is too civilized a term for what is beginning to happen. What is happening to my people is far beyond any kind of organized conflict where there are defined sides and victors and vanquished. The Cthu shivered as he spoke. Your shipmate, this Danton over there, who cannot bring himself to trust anyone else on this ship. My people are like him now, but only much, much worse. The trust we had. The secret I must now bear has eaten away at that trust among my people. Even I cannot trust the other sentinels. I don't know who else knows the secret, or who among those who do know would wish to use its knowledge against me. Sir Clipso sat himself down on a chair in his cell, despondent. Believe me, Senator, when I tell you that your people, no other people, should ever learn the secret, it would mean the beginning of the end. Everything any of our peoples have built these last few centuries would be obliterated, and all our peoples would suffer. Don't you see now, Senator, it is that same secret that the ancients knew, and knew should be better left forgotten. It is that secret that led to the throne wars. Loella let that revelation sink in. The throne wars. No one knew what had started them, only that they had started almost as soon as the dread king had been slain by the banishing blade. But the intrigue, the plots, the assassinations and secret wars, what was happening to the Sentinels, sounded almost exactly like the horror stories of the throne wars. What I can tell you, Senator, is if this Zeru really has the banishing blade, we need it now, more than ever. It is the only weapon that has any chance of circumventing the inherent risks of the secret I must now bear. If you will release me, I will pledge to do everything I can to find him. And you can trust I will, because now you understand. I wouldn't be doing it for you. I must do it for my people and for the memory of my father, Sir Clipsus adamantly stated. Loella thought about what Sir Clipsus had said. If it was true that what he was implying about the secret uh, was correct, that even knowing it would risk her people's descent into a similar madness. Perhaps she was better off not knowing it. But one thing still bothered her. I, I think I could free you, but tell me, if you had really received this message from your father, knowing that there was a civil war raging among your people, 
Why stay at your post? Why try so hard to keep outsiders away from Roe? Sir Clipsos readily answered, I had to stay on that isle, not just for my own safety, because I know not for certain who would try to target me at home in Kyr, but because I could safely send my own messages from that island with our messenger hawks. My father had sent me there, you see, and only he knew of my assignment. From there I had hoped to contact other like-minded Cthulhu, to try to convince them to stay themselves from this madness, and organize some kind of effort to bring this all to an end. Sir Clipsus darkly added, And I did attack your crew, because I was almost certain you had been hired to fight in our war, or that you were coming to take advantage of our people in this chaos. And if there are others you are trying to protect in this violence, you may have thought Roe would have been a good place for would-be assassins like us to find out where our targets were, Loella remarked. Strange, thought the senator. Only a few minutes ago she felt it was a titanic risk to trust this Cthulhu, but now she saw Sir Clipsos entirely differently, and, had she been in his place, couldn't say for certain she'd have acted any differently. Well... I think I can at least confidently vouch for you to the crew. I won't tell them about this civil war, only that there are enemy operatives amongst the Cthulhu who could pose a risk to our mission. Would that satisfy you? Sir Clipsus nodded, agreeing. Then, I believe I just needed to clarify one other thing. This secret, from the sounds of it, this is something your people had only just recently learned. Loella felt a bitter taste come to her mouth as she considered her question, bracing herself for the answer she knew likely was coming. Tell me, did this outbreak of intrigue and assassinations begin before or after Zeru spoke with your board? A hard, steely look overshadowed Sir Clipsos's face. I can do you better than that. I can tell you, Senator, that it was that elf who did this. Bitter ears began to well in his eyes. He was the one who revealed it to my people. He is the one who caused this chaos. And, if you don't find him soon, there's nothing stopping him from telling that secret to every nation in the world. Thanks again for joining us in this story today. Remember to leave a review, join us on Patreon, and share this show with others. And as a reminder, our next episode will not air until May 4th. So stay safe until then, and remember, you cannot see the hero unless you know the monster. <laughs>